You're listening to Cards and Cubes, a show about board games that you didn't grow up playing. On today's show, we will be talking about some games played, followed by some games that we're looking forward to, and then we will give to you our top three favorite story-driven games. This is episode 22, and we are your hosts. I'm Brandon. I'm Christo. I'm Justine. All right. Still recording remotely. That will happen for some time, I imagine. But I have a little bit of news. The news is uh, the Spiel des Jahres nominees have been announced. Have you guys seen this yet? Actually, I did. And that's a good reminder because I wasn't thinking we we're going to talk about it on this episode. Maybe we can talk about it later or are you going to go to it through it now? We're going to do it now. The I didn't see. The nominees are My City by Reiner Knizia and Publishers Cosmo Games, Nova Luna by Uwe Rosenberg, and Pictures, which I have not played Pictures. I haven't played any of these games, actually. Have you guys played any of these? Uh, actually, I was going to talk about Nova Luna. Maybe I was a little bit surprised that it's a nominee. Uh, we actually played it quite a long time ago. Uh, well, in my frame of mind anyway, which was about a month and a half ago on Tabletop Simulator. Uh, actually, the mods is kind of funny. Though. I, I think hardly anyone had played the mod, maybe a few people, and there were some complaints about like bugs in it and stuff and i actually wrote the person who made it and he fixed it so it's kind of funny we're like probably one of the first people to play the game on tabletop uh i actually didn't think it was that good it was just kind of okay to me um it's kind of feels like a little bit like patchwork for multiplayer but instead of making a patchwork or just like uh, filling up a shape and it counts negative points you're trying to match up these uh pieces by color so like they score off of each other and it creates this interesting puzzle of uh kind of pieces scoring off of each other and kind of interconnected points and it's a race to points so first to hit whatever points just wins so i thought it was kind of a little bit luck prone uh it was a really cool concept and really easy to explain but i think it's the luck is a little bit too much there pictures i've actually been looking forward to i don't know i think i had it on like looking forward to in november or just whenever it came out because i think it's a really cool idea I think it's a game where you pretty much uh, make art out of like pieces <laughs> and I think people are supposed to guess what it is or something. It's like a party game with that comes with like strings and sticks and like things that you arrange into, I think, art uh, in some way. That's I, my city. I actually have no idea. Yeah, I'm looking at the. I'm looking at pictures for pictures right now. Yeah. I'm seeing all the strings and weird bits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just intrigued. I can't remember exactly what the concept is. Uh, you're kind of catching me off guard here, but I thought it was really cool and I wanted to buy it and play it and I was just waiting for it to come out. So I'll probably end up getting that one because I really like those party type fun uh, kind of activity slash games, even though I don't know how much games they are. You know, like uh, Fake Artist Ghost in New York kind of experiences. Yeah, the um, the summary of it that I'm looking at right now says that 
you're given a picture and you have to recreate it using the stuff they give you. And then everybody else has to guess which picture you're recreating. Yeah, there's like one of those things. There's like rocks in it. Looks like there's rocks and wooden bits. And yeah, it looks interesting. It Um, seems like one of those things kind of like wavelength that when it's explained, you're like, oh, this will be easy. And then you actually play it and you're like, oh, never mind. This is hard. Yeah, yeah. Sticks and stones. Um, (laughs) No, actually, there's a really weird concept which reminds me of pictures uh, by Oink Games. It's called Mr. Face, and you actually make a face out of cards, and I think there's two variants you can play. One is you're supposed to recreate the face. The other one is like someone around the table makes a face, and you try to like make the face, and it has like different like types of eyebrows and eyes, and it's just like super bizarre. Uh, This one is a little bit more sane but it just kind of reminded me of that my city and, i don't my, think has been released in the states yet i mean i yeah, haven't seen from the it. looks of it yeah um you know what the first two like we got reiner knizzi and uve rosenberg this feels like an like an old school like nominations you know that kind of made me happy mm-hmm. <laughs> although i like um wolfgang warsh's stuff but i don't know if i would agree with him like winning all these awards they're just like old concepts that are just kind of made new um here's the kinderspiel nominations so it says the cartographer i there is no game in existence that's called the cartographer i (laughs) am assuming it's a misprint and it's cartographers it's cartographers a role yeah a role player tale. I actually looked it up on BGG. I don't know where you're looking. What where you're looking might be a translation from the German titles, which oh. I bet in Germany it's called cartographer or something. Yeah. So they probably like looked at the German title and translated it to English, which is pretty funny. Um also the crew and the king's dilemma. Yep. Yeah, which um I don't know about the king's dilemma, but I get it. But the crew and I don't know, the crew and cartographers like is that any heavier than nova luna or my city or pictures <laughs> i actually don't think so no actually it's kind of funny because the even the size of the boxes that they come in i think is not the legit board game box so they've like descended into these like small box games generally i think nova luna is kind of a smaller box as well kind of like cosmos size so i think king's dilemma is actually the only like legit board game and it's definitely not heavy at all it's like kind of almost like a party experience i would say it's kind of a negotiation weird kind of light party game yeah it's interesting um we have no experience in these but just for listeners that are curious the kinderspiel which is like the um children's game of the year is photo fish speedy roll and we are the robots so just wanted to mention those but we don't play any of those games uh hedgehog roll i think it's a german translation it says aka speedy roll i think it's registers as hedgehog roll on bgg for some reason again probably it looks like robotar it's not even published in english it's uh just like german game gotcha yeah so those are the nominees and they will be uh the winners will be announced in on july 20th so we'll probably be talking more about that then. But until then, we'll talk about some games that we've actually played. Um, 
So I haven't played a lot of games. I've been playing Marvel Crisis Protocol because I've spent a lot of money on it. So I'm forcing myself to play it a lot. No, that's not true. I actually enjoy it. But I did play a game called War of the Worlds, The New Wave. Um, this is a game that was published in 2009, so just last year. It's a two-player-only deck-building game. Uh, it has a board, and it's asymmetric war-style game. Um, so the game is... Okay, so one of a, one, a positive about it is it has the, um, the market that you buy cards from, like in a deck-building game. Um, you have your own supply. So I always appreciate that because that eliminates this rush to get cards, which I mean, it could that could add to some games, but personally I like thinking more strategy-wise about buying cards and not rushing to get cards that other players might get. But the negative with that is that it's, it's, a, it's a card river for your own market. So you buy a card and flip a card, buy a card, flip a card. And that is really crummy in this game because some cards now if they all come out and you can't afford them in the beginning of the game you're not building your deck and that is an awful thing um it's war of the world so one player is playing as the aliens and the other player is playing as um, humans and the humans are trying to damage the aliens um a certain amount of times there's like a little track for the damage that's being done to the aliens and the aliens are trying to wipe off the presence of uh, humans. Humans are like little cubes and they could build buildings which give them special abilities and the aliens are tripods and UFOs and they could also build buildings. Um, I wanted to like this game a lot because I love the theme and I do like deck building with a board but this game doesn't feel like it's brought anything new to this genre at all. Like it, it feels like kind of an older game. Like if it would have came out when deck building was getting popular, like a little bit after Dominion, I feel like this would have been very popular and people would have loved it. But coming out just last year, it feels a little bit old and outdated as far as like innovations go. It doesn't feel like there's any innovations at all. And the card river is a mistake in this style of game. And it just wasn't interesting. I played it with my wife and we just kind of got bored and frustrated with it. We played it to the end, but it didn't feel satisfying for even the winner. And yeah, it's it was a Kickstarter game, but the Kickstarter only adds like minis to it, which is kind of funny because the box is rather big, but I have the retail version, which is like cardboard chits and, and, and uh, standees. And I could fit one player's entire thing in one bag, another player's entire pieces in another bag. And so there's just two bags floating around this big box. So anyway, that's uh, an unfortunate thing for me is, uh, yeah, probably going to get rid of this game. That's War of the Worlds, the new wave. Uh, just a quick question. Is it like, did you have buying power on cards? What are the resources like and what do the cards actually do? I don't, I'm not going into too much detail. I'm just curious. Is yeah, it so, like really basic kind of like you have yes. cards that give you buy power, but not much else. And then you have cards which do a lot of cool stuff, but not much buy power kind of a thing. Yes. Yes. It's very basic like that. Uh, you could play a card to move your units 
you could play cards to buy things with, but the buy cards also have like actions on it too. Sometimes the cards vary and you have a starter deck like any deck building game, but it's just like the cards that are playing, you just like move or take out things or put things onto the board. Like you could put out like mines um, and different things that are going to affect the board. Um, yep. But it just like, it feels, you know, it feels, so the board game version of this, like everything on the board feels very strategic and tactic, but because you're just deck building, like it's just all kind of based on luck, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what about combat? Is it basically just like one for one kind of like tyrants of the underdark? I don't know if you've played that one, which is actually a good implementation, I'd say of an area control with cards. Uh, that every unit has a certain amount of hit points on them, and you and if I'm aliens attacking the humans, I have to attack humans first, then uh, units which are like tanks and boats, yeah, then yeah, buildings, yeah. and the cards that I play have to equal or exceed the the amount of hit points they have. That was another that was another thing about the game is there's all these little things, right? Like you have to hit the humans, then the units, then the buildings first. All these little things and you can't leave an area unless like if I have two units in a in a spot and you have one, one of my units could leave, but the other two are blocking each other. And there's all these little yep. details and there's no player aid um and there's like nothing anywhere, not even the back of the rule book. So if you forget these small huh. details, it could ruin the game and there's nothing there to remind you. And I thought that was yeah. a missed opportunity as well. It sounds like they're kind of trying to make some kind of a light like war game system with initiatives and stuff out of it. Uh, there's no dice though, right? That's what I was kind of also asking about. Is, I don't know. You kind of play cards, it sounds like. Too, you play like cards. And there's stuff. no dice. However, okay. that is a good thing, right? Because uh, I always thought find it interesting when there's a war style game with no dice and just cards and whatnot but um undaunted normandy i think is a better style of, of, of it's a it's a it's a better done game with the similar style and that has yeah, dice yeah. but i don't know yeah no sometimes it's interesting even though it has dice and like and on paper it sounds better it just feels worse to play and that's just kind of the implementation of how things were done i guess right so interesting yeah i was actually really curious about this game but i looked at the kickstarter and i think i remember thinking that it didn't actually it looked really good as far as the concept goes but like the game itself was just kind of like eh, i don't know if i'm actually going to be excited about this but, yeah yeah i don't think it's if horrible you, it's just like i've played a lot of better deck building games so if you're yeah, like yeah, yeah. if you're somebody new into the hobby that likes that theme this could be like a great gateway game for them I was actually really surprised. That's how exactly how I felt about that Rails game. I can't remember which kind of... Oh, play, uh, planes, trains, trains. Trains, yeah. It's like playing trains to automobiles. Trains in particular, I was really not impressed with. I don't know. I guess like a lot of people like it because it has high ratings, but I was just like, what the heck? It's like really basic kind of deck building game, and I just like wasn't having fun with it, so it's weird. Feels similar. Feels similar. Like the same frustration. That's yeah. what feels similar. But anyway, that's the game that I played. So um, I actually managed to play a couple games this week. And the first one was Fox in the Forest Duet. Um, 
So this one was actually kind of a mistake for Matt and I. We had played Fox in the Forest at SaltCon, um, the original version, which is a two-player trick-taking game. Um, We were intrigued by the idea of a two-player trick-taking game and ended up really liking it. So when we went to buy it, we didn't notice it was Fox in the Forest Duet, which is a co-op implementation of the Fox in the Forest system. Um, And surprisingly, we ended up loving this game. It's, uh, It's interesting the control that you have to have to be successful. Um, you have a, a little piece that you're moving through a cardboard forest, basically. You're trying to pick up these gems, and how you do that is on the cards that you play, you have these little paw prints. And so some cards have three paw prints, some cards have two, some cards have one, some have none. Um, and when a trick gets taken, you move the little pawn that many spaces towards the person who took the trick. Um, and if you move off, bad things happen. It's it's a really cool implementation of a trick-taking game that's cooperative as well. Um, so that's Fox in the Forest Duet. The other thing I did these last couple weeks is I bought the Castles of Burgundy phone app. Um, Castles of Burgundy is probably one of my favorite games. Um, it's one of those games that I can always pull off the shelf and play. Um, one of those few games that I just know the rules. Um, a lot of the games that I own, if I pull off, I have to remind myself of like how to set up all the rules. This is one of those games that I have played enough. Um, the phone app, I don't know about. I think the UI is really weird. Um, They don't have an easy explanation for what the different tiles do, and nothing looks the same as it does on the in the board game. So instead of having like your central board with the tiles you can pick from, you have your board is the main thing you're looking at. Um, The tiles you can pick from are across the top. Um, You kind of have to figure it out and there's no tutorial you just have to kind of use your instincts um and i just i still think i like the um board game better than the app is the app new did this just come out i think so i was, I, think I wonder if they're new. i wonder if they're working bugs out of it and and depending on uh, players to give feedback yeah <laughs> I didn't notice any bugs. Like, everything seems to work as intended. It's just, like, having a real issue with the art style. The art style's bad. Yeah, I was going to say, sometimes when they do board game implementations, uh, they kind of take some liberties as far as the interface. Uh, They don't just really port the board game. They would do things like... um, I've. I think uh, Inland Port, whatever it's called, uh, something the Inland Port. 
gosh. Lahav. Lahav. Lahav, yeah. Lahav the Inland Port. I think that one also has like a story, which I don't know if it happens in the physical game. Actually, I haven't played the physical game, but I did play the app a couple of times. Uh, not full all the way through, actually, oddly enough. But they have this like kind of a story thing with characters which explain to you things. And then the interface like looks, I think, I'm guessing kind of different from the physical one because they can do some things on apps that they can't do in physical games. And also, sometimes I think they just think like, oh, this way is better. I'll just represent it this way, you know, uh, after they've played the, the board game. And it like kind of is completely different from the way the physical game goes, which sometimes works, sometimes it doesn't. So I don't know. Uh, the, I've seen art changes as well, especially if it's like an unofficial uh, game. But that sounds official, actually. So I'm surprised you know castles of burgundy is one of those classic felt games that i don't see a lot being played you know like uh i don't see anybody in our group or in the board game store that we play at bring it um i love this game i even bought the little individual colored bags off i think etsy uh for all the chits you know because you got to randomly draw the chits um and I was going to buy a bunch of boards for it too because it has the expansion boards, but it for some reason it's this great game that never gets played. Um, did you buy? Did you guys buy any of the expansion boards? Um, no, we didn't end up buying the expansion boards. We um, got one expansion in I think it was uh, Notre Dame, um, but yeah, we haven't bought any expansion boards. Oh yeah, the the tenth anniversary of Notre Dame came with yeah an ex- yeah. Um, also, do you, do you guys want to buy the deluxe edition that recently came out? Oh, it's so hard. I kind of want to. Like, I've heard that it's supposed to look so much better, but I don't know. Kind of the charm is sort of the ugliness of it to me. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, actually, it doesn't bother me at all the way it looks. I can't understand people who like say it looks really bad because to me it doesn't look bad at all it just looks like a classic euro from like the beginning of the mid 2000s or something which is what it is for sure i don't think it looks bad i remember having a problem with the buildings. some of the buildings look similar and you have to just take a close look at each building to make sure you're not getting because you know some of the the uh, point conditions have to do with like getting the same buildings or different buildings so like you have to just Mm -hmm. like double look like do i already have this building but that's kind of in a lot of games and I don't know if they fixed it in the new game. And also Alea is calling these games deluxe, which they're, um, I guess just like a slight step above their original printings. Yeah. And, um, I'd say, unfortunately, it's another grab of like a reprint excuse to make people who have an older edition, buy a new edition to just get, more catch out of yeah, another game. Yeah, which I have a really big problem with buying a game that I've already bought too. No yeah. matter if uh-huh. it's deluxe or whatever. Like I don't think I've ever done that actually. Uh if it has gameplay things that they've changed significantly, I'm more willing to do it. But if it's just like an art update, I'm mostly fine with the older editions. Yeah. What I noticed I might look sorry, go oh, ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Okay, I might look into buying the deluxe edition, like, if my version ever just gets so worn out, but uh, I don't know. I think it's fine. I think it's charming. 
Yeah. What I've noticed about the new game, like second editions of a lot of games from when they're updating like the older games is they streamline it usually and make it like kind of watered down. Like Kalos did that. And I think, mm-hmm. is it Venus? Yeah. 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 Venus as well. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm still reluctant on getting even new additions of games if they've added gameplay because i feel like it's usually taking away some of the gameplay but that's not always the case yeah yeah not always but i think they try to speed things up because that's kind of become the trend lately is like oh it's got to be under an hour it's going to be under two hours so like people are really afraid when someone pulls out the game and it's like maybe two hours two and a half or something uh i don't know i'm really not afraid of those games if i like the game i'm totally fine playing a longer game yeah nowadays with so many games out we're like uh two and a half hours how are we gonna play five games tonight how are we gonna play the yeah. five new games that we all have to collectively together yeah Christo, have you played anything and why not uh actually <laughs> i was gonna say i haven't played anything but it's funny when justine talked about fox in the forest duet i actually played it and the funny thing is that's such a small game that we played it before clank legacy kind of on the table as we we're w- waiting for someone to show up uh so we just like broke out that game and we just played it in 20 minutes or something um i think i previously actually talked about it maybe but i like that game as well uh i was actually really surprised on tabletop i played it on tabletop first and the components looked really large so the physical game is like really tiny the board is ridiculously tiny and the box is really tiny i was really surprised by how tiny it is in real life but um it's a weird game because i like it i think but it's also a trick-taking game which makes you like think a lot which is very unusual for a trick-taking game i'd say that's maybe my only like kind of criticism uh, aside with aside from maybe like a little bit of luck but i think that's uh the the puzzle of the game is kind of dealing with the luck that you're dealt with because a lot of the cards are not dealt to you so that's what makes the game kind of different every time so you need to figure out kind of without communicating really uh what how you're going to deal with a situation where someone might have really high cards as far as pause and someone else might not there's a plenty of uh cards which switch cards and do things to adjust things but my biggest thing is maybe like there's actually too much like thinking for a trick-taking game for me i kind of like my trick-taking games to be a little bit more flowy and you just kind of go and play this one you have to like sit and think for good like 30 seconds sometimes like what am i actually going to play to not screw this up and kind of come up with a sequence of events which ideally fixes some horrible situation that you're holding in your hand as far as kind of unbalanced deals but it's a really fascinating game i think it's really cool i think it takes away the confrontation of the fox in the forests and obviously co-op game and it works really well it's a cool game so yeah i have played something i didn't even count that one but uh no what i was gonna talk about is um i've been playing kind of gloomhaven and i've kind of slipped into this mindset of uh or maybe we all all collectively have the people that are uh, we're all playing together um 
of kind of everyone kind of knows this game so let's just play it and it kind of feels very comfortable to to do that and i guess we need to snap out of it somehow but uh i i can i i'm kind of like drawing parallels to the time when i wasn't playing so many games before i started playing uh, all kinds of like different games with you guys of just kind of playing one game over and over uh and this is kind of a larger game than maybe Catan, what, which is what was happening at the time, or Race for the Galaxy, actually, for a while. Uh, but it's still kind of a very similar thought process of like, well, we all know this game, and there's no rules to each, and we just go and play. So it's it's been interesting to kind of parallel and think about it. Um, I was actually thinking about playing some Soul games, and what kind of bothered me, and I was going to almost force myself to play... Uh, some kind of a game yesterday but i just wasn't feeling it so maybe i'll work up the enthusiasm but a lot of the solo games i just feel like come down to luck and flips uh sometimes and that's really kind of bothered me um as i've been playing them sometimes your success kind of depends on just luck straight up luck and actually in gloomhaven we had a couple of scenarios that as well when we were talking about it how it was all dependent on basically the way the cards come out and you just kind of through no fault of your own you just retry over and over until you get a good sequence of the game playing things against you like badly <laughs> essentially you know uh so it's it's interesting uh sometimes i think co-op games and solo games that's kind of un unavoidable though because you can't make an ai think like a person but i think there's better ways of doing certain scenarios and games to where luck is not so prominent but uh yeah i really kind of haven't played anything new over the couple last couple of weeks i did look at a couple of kickstarter games which i'm going to talk about but as far as games played uh maybe just fox in the forest and kind of keeping going with clank legacy and gloomhaven so uh the other weird thing is uh, a couple of the people we are playing with we took kind of a break over the last few days and they've kind of disappeared so we'll see where that goes maybe uh <laughs> Maybe Gloomhaven's gonna go away, so we'll see. As far as the um, solo gaming goes, uh, I'm with you there. There was a small time where I was like really into playing um, at least the solo variants of certain games, and I would have about an an hour before people would show up to to game night, and I would play a solo game or I'd play a solo game at home. And you're absolutely right, like. I think when I first started playing it, it was like, this is really cool. I can make these decisions by myself, not worry about how long I'm taking or if I need to take back a turn or whatever. But when it comes down to a lot of solo plays, it does come down to luck, a card flip or dice roll. And at least with the co-op games, you're not alone in it. And so like you can share a victory with somebody or share disappointment with somebody. But these solo games just feel like lonely co-op games right yeah 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 now I, um i've been playing some pc games and there's parallels there as well some tower defense games with kind of some lucky events that happen so i've just been thinking about just kind of luck in solo experiences and difficulty as well because i think the way they ramp up difficulty is basically 
I don't know. It's not that they, the game becomes more complex. It just becomes more prone to certain situations occurring. And most of the time, that's unfortunately luck. So you just kind of try over and over. And you kind of play at the same level as far as you're concerned. It's not like you're getting better. You're just make, like experiencing more lucky situations, which is just kind of that byproduct of designing uh, a simple AI, I think. If the global pandemic goes on too much longer, we will be switching to video games, huh? This will yeah. turn into a video game show. No, I'm kidding. It won't ever. <laughs> no, it's kind of sad. That's what I used to do before board games, and I've kind of slipped back into that, and it's actually not that much fun. I mean, not as much fun. I'm having right. some fun with it, but it's like it's definitely not the same. Yeah, I've been playing some video games as well, and uh, same. Like, I'm just like, it feels more of a waste of time. Like, I'm just like yeah. sitting and playing yeah. by myself, and then all of a sudden it's like dark out, and I'm like, how long have I been playing this game? <laughs> yeah. It's like time warp but like at least with board games like even if you play all day i never feel like it's wasting time because i like had fun experiences and talked to people and socialized and i was out yeah. of the house you know yeah the social element is pretty huge with board games uh for me even though i'm not the most social person but it it definitely makes a huge difference oh i was gonna ask you too do you think you're you guys falling into the comfort of knowing the same game do you think it's in conjunction with like playing tabletop simulator and it's a little harder to teach games like over like discord than it would be like teaching in in person actually not so much i just i don't know for some reason everyone's been interested in uh, gloomhaven i don't really have a problem teaching games actually for me uh yesterday was also a part of the frustration for me or not, not frustration but just kind of like uh, i don't feel like doing that was going through the rules again which is really kind of crazy because i used to like reading rules uh but i just wasn't enjoying the aspect of i was gonna play maybe uh circadians or something and i need to reread the rules now that we played gloomhaven for like a month or something uh or over a month now uh I need to go back and reread rules for a lot of games just because I've I've forgotten how to play a lot of the games, even the games I wanted to play at the time. I kind of remember the general flow, but I'd have to go through the whole rulebook to remember some details about things. So that was not um, the most fun uh, thing for me, is just kind of thinking about me going through the rules. As far as teaching, actually, I don't really mind tabletop uh I'm so used to the interface now. It's like second nature for me. I think if you're new to it, it's kind of frustrating in some ways. But I really, uh, it really works for me. I, I understand how it works now. And it's, like I say, second nature. Yeah. I'm I wonder how, oh, sorry. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, I wonder how much of this, like wanting to fall back on the games we're familiar with, um, has to do with the situation we're in now um i know um since i'm a teacher i've had to be doing all of my stuff over like google meets and zoom um and they've done studies to show that that is a lot more tiring to people than like face-to-face -face interaction so i wonder how much of it has to do with the fact that we can't be face-to-face -face. yeah that's what i was wondering myself too i know for me I am playing these games face-to-face -face with my wife and, and roommate. And I've been playing Marvel Crisis Protocol just at, like m most of the time when we're like, let's play a game. That's what goes out. I mean, uh, a lot of it I think has to do with the fact that I put a lot of time and effort building and painting these things. 
and we've gotten a lot of new stuff for it. So we want to try it. And it's unique because if this situation wasn't happening, I wouldn't even own this game, let alone own all of the characters for it and be playing it as much. But <laughs> since we're like home, we could like really dive into this game. And I'm understanding like geeking out over one game and really exploring it now because you could build teams in this game, you know, and there's benefits to building teams. And now we have all these characters and the unique dynamic between certain characters and certain crisis cards that you put in. And, you know, you're kind of like the before game, the pregame is building this team, building these cards, and then kind of seeing how it plays out is like we're kind of getting a little geeky with it you know it's like oh what if we added this guy with this guy and i would overhear people talking about like warhammer and war machine and 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 x-wing and such and going like oh i I don't understand like getting so into one game and being so geeky about it because i'm so geeky about just like seeing the new innovation and seeing how new board games work but i'm sort of understanding it so i'm kind of like um, I don't know, opening up my mind, I guess. So if there's good things about this situation, there's one unifying me with uh, other gamers, I guess. But I also can't wait to get back to our gaming group and get back to what we call normal gaming. I agree. Yeah, me too. All right, well, that was some games played. So up next is some games that we're looking forward to. All right, so uh, I looked at a couple of games on Kickstarter over the last couple of weeks. Uh, One mentioned for Canvas. I was surprised how well this game did. I'm looking at the Kickstarter right now, and it's raised like 700,000. And it's actually a very simple, straightforward game, Uh, kind of a gimmicky game, actually, to go with our uh, last week's topic or last two weeks ago topic uh it's a game where you make an art well print so you make art i guess you draw thematically these paintings i actually don't even know what the theme is but basically it's kind of a set collection game or not set feature collection game some kind of a collection game where you uh, draw these transparent cards and you sleeve them. And when you sleeve them, they make a nice panorama and it's really cool. And I think a lot of people probably liked that and I liked that. I think that's a really cool idea. The game itself is actually pretty simple. I think there's some goals and every transparent card also has these like symbols at the bottom. And basically you're trying to create a set uh, which fulfills as many goals as possible uh kind of like that's why i said set collection and i don't know if it's really set collection because it's like i guess you're making sets of features so yeah you could say that uh the gameplay looks very simple the way you acquire these cards is a card river and it's a very simple card river uh basically for every card you skip you put something on it if you pick the card which has things on it you get it i don't even know what they are just like tokens some kind of a easel or something or not easel uh paints i don't know uh 
the only thing is the game is again kind of was really expensive for what it is it's kind of a mini game it actually reminded me of calico as well which justine has previously talked about and i'm looking forward to getting a very similar concept in calico you have a drafting situation here you have a card river situation but uh in calico it's spatial here it's cards but very very similar concepts there's basically these weird goals in calico it's like cats that you attract or something or uh patterns that you have to match in this game it's just cards with goals um i think the biggest catch in this game was basically the art and i i agree it's really cool game was kind of kind of expensive so that's ultimately why i didn't do it i think for the legit pimped out kickstarter everything coolness uh was like 560-ish or something, 67. And that's basically like a, a big box game. It's a smaller game. It's very unique, though. Really cool, but uh, maybe not for me. Uh, the other thing which I saw on Kickstarter this couple these couple of weeks is a game that I've actually been wanting to play for a while, and somehow it's been avoiding uh, my... I don't know. I just haven't seen anyone play it. The only time I saw anyone play it was actually at this pub meetup downtown in Salt Lake a couple of years ago when I used to go there. Uh, it's Lords of Vegas. Actually, does anyone have it? I'm curious. Yeah, Brandon. Matt and I have it. Oh my gosh. Maybe we should just play your copy sometimes. Yeah. Uh, anyway, there's. Uh, it's supposed to be... It sounds really random, actually. I hadn't even looked into in depth uh, about what the game is before, but it sounds really random. But on the uh -huh. other hand, people are saying like it's really fun. So it's kind of this weird combination of maybe a lot of dice rolling and just trolley situations where people take over your casinos and stuff and there's sounds like there's some kind of a catch-up thing but i'm not sure how well it works um but it's supposed to be just really fun that's kind of what i'm getting from people like despite the ridiculous randomness it's supposed to be really really cool uh anyway there was a 10th anniversary edition another possible cash grab there's um some kind of an expansion i can't remember if it's unique to this 10th anniversary edition or not it's like a 3d board where you start building high as well i'm not sure if that's anyway um the biggest hilarious thing i saw was um they have a briefcase edition which actually reminded me of um this overkill of gosh what was it called azul azul uh, yeah. remember that oh, yeah. azul thing for yeah. 500 dollars? well this is a briefcase edition of lords of vegas for 300 dollars. uh it looks really cool it's like this literally wooden briefcase which is pretty thick with like velvet stuff in it it comes with uh, chips for money i guess because the regular chips are i think uh, probably cardboard or something lame uh but ultimately the game is kind of the same very interesting though because very expensive and uh, another game which i kind of i didn't do because the price i think the base stuff i can wait for uh to come out later there were a few promos but i'm actually not sure if i'm gonna like the game what do you think about this game justine has has it been a while um, since you've played it i don't know if you've recently played it um so first of all i'll say it is actually pretty thematic in that it does feel like you're in vegas um it is insanely random 
And when you're playing against Matt, you're just not going to win. So it's exactly like being in Vegas. (laughs) (laughs) The house always wins. Um, Yeah. I I like it fine, but I don't think you're going to like it very much. It's super duper random. I'd definitely be willing to play it. I think it's fine. I think it's fun, but everything is based on card flips. So you have a big old deck of cards and with a card flip, someone can like take your casino out from underneath you. I mean, yeah, it, it definitely feels (laughs) thematic in that way. Yeah. Basically what it sounded to me is kind of like Chinatown system of revealing squares and like, Ooh, this is my square now. Uh, But also someone can just take over control by what is it? Realigning, remodeling, reach something. Yeah. By just rolling like you have you have control over certain things like Chinatown, for example, yeah. uh, like it's your casino or something. But someone can just re-roll the dice, and if they get the highest die, even if it's one die versus five, if the, their mm-hmm. die is highest, it's their casino. So it's just like really, really trolly. Yeah, it sounds like in that way. Yeah. I don't know. I I think I'm I might. Uh, coming in and expecting and knowing what it is, I think I might be more okay with it. Usually these kind of games are a huge miss for me if they're a surprise. Like I expect like a, I don't know, some kind of a Euro experience and there's this like random BS. But I think coming in and knowing what the game is, I think I might be more okay with it. But yeah, that's another thing is why I didn't get it. It's just like, I'm not actually sure if I'm going to like the game. It's just, it's been a game that I've looked at so much, though. I've just, I don't know, I keep seeing the name over and over and I just haven't played it yet, but I guess I'll do it sometime. Yeah, it's um, the definition of Screw Your Neighbor. Yeah. Uh, like, so not only can you take over their um, their casino, by seriously just a dice roll and yeah if you have the single highest dice at the end you take over their casino even if they have six dice in it and you have one but you can also take away their ability to do things by gambling at their casino and winning so if you go to their casino and gamble and they can't say no um, you basically can take their money by winning of course you might give them money by losing but you know (laughs) yeah and odds are you're going to lose. I looked at it. I think you succeed in like 2, 3, 4, 9, 10, 11 or something, 12, uh, something like yeah. that. Like the the, the yeah. outside numbers of the distribution. So I thought it was really interesting, actually. But yeah, anyway, uh, the, but that's all the games that I I was looking I've <clears throat> I am looking forward to maybe sometime. So there's actually a bunch of Vegas games. And I remember looking into one a while ago years ago and going like, Ooh, I, yeah, I definitely want to try this one. But when I'm at the store or shopping around online, I always confuse which one is which and don't know which one I looked into because there's Lords of Vegas, there's Las Vegas, there's Vegas showdown and there's Vegas. And I don't know which one is which, (laughs) you know, um, I know that one of them, I think it's maybe Vegas showdown is like supposed to be really good but like the components are really bad like paper yes, it's vegas showdown is yeah. it vegas showdown the that has like paper player boards yes exactly yeah. that's the one yep and then i think las vegas is a Lalea game that just got a uh the special edition like castles of burgundy and mm-hmm. so i don't i don't think i know lords of vegas I- 
I actually have the older edition of Las Vegas, and I really loved that game. I played it at SaltCon like three or four years ago from their library, actually with someone that I kind of met at that time, and I really liked it. Um, I bought it, and then the new edition came out, and my old edition hasn't been played yet. But I'm actually not regretting it because I think the new edition has like dark art, and I really like kind of the light art of the older edition, so I think it might be kind of uh, cool. But I think they just reprinted it because it was out of print uh, for, in a lot of places. But a really kind of very, very simple kind of push-your-luck game. I mean, the Vegas, a lot of the games are like kind of have an element of pushing your luck. Las Vegas, I think, is really clever. Uh, it kind of reminds me of, I don't know if you remember, playing Alei Acta Est with the dice rolling and the signing to things. That's kind of the style of game it is. You, you roll dice and you assign them to like these games that you can play uh so a really cool game i don't know anything about just vegas i've looked into uh the one with the thin paper stuff vegas showdown uh same thing i think it's an interesting game but the components have been just so bad looking that i'm just amazed but uh i'm if someone else gets it i'll definitely play it i don't know anything about vegas though Uh, do you know anything about vegas brandon or anyone I'm no. I'm looking at it right now. It's a cheap ass game. <laughs> That's not like my description like the of it. Publish, the yeah, publisher, the publishers. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Uh I yeah, I don't know. I've just looked I've seen the title of it. I rem- I remember even the box art. I just don't know anything about that one. I haven't really good heard amazing things about it. So Yeah. yeah it definitely was but, I think it's I think it's Las Vegas that I was looking into and I probably just couldn't yeah. find it. Um so I, speaking of like uh, second editions and whatnot and 10th editions, that's what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to one game, except I'm actually, I'm, I've decided today I'm going out and I'm going to go in search of buying some new games. It's been a while since I've even looked online, let alone go to board game shops. So I am really looking forward to just going out there and finding some some new stuff to bring to the table and then be able to talk about it on the show. But I am looking forward to, we've talked about Hansa Teutonica quite a bit on the show. It's a very beloved game from all of us, all the hosts here. Mm-hmm. And they're coming out with the big box. Pegasus Spiel is putting out the big box version of this, um, which is the base game and all the expansions. And as of right now, um, which we're in May, 2020 for reference, because I don't want people to get upset. On Card House, it's 35 bucks for the big box edition. Um, house is spelled H-A-U-S. Um, yeah, Card House. But uh, <laughs> I love this game, and I don't own it. And I've been meaning to buy it for a while, but now I could buy it with all of the expansions. I think it just has two expansions, though. Is that Do you know, Risto? Uh, actually, it has a lot of expansions. I want to say six or oh. five maps. Uh, and some of them are better for different player counts. Uh, there's a rating, an official rating, obviously, but still a rating of, like, cool, this map. Uh, kind of like, uh, reminds me of the rating for, uh, gosh, what's that? Mark Garrett's deck building game with where you hold your whole deck and your cards and you resh- reshuffle uh, once in a while. With like goddesses and set collection scoring with goddesses. Concordia. Concordia, yeah. Concordia has a similar thing where some car some maps are better for uh 
certain player counts. Same thing with House Teutonic. I think the maps are kind of unofficially designed, like some are larger, some are smaller, so they're kind of rated online. But I think 35 is actually really reasonable for that game. I think it's a really cool game. I The only reason I'm not looking forward to the big boxes actually have all the maps. I just, we just haven't played the game enough to like go in depth in like trying a different map. I was almost getting to the point where like by the third play of it, we I was going to suggest a different map but then we stopped playing it. So I was just like, well, that's sad. Uh, but yeah, there's like five or six, I think. Uh, they're kind of the same, similar-ish, but they probably feel different because I, you kind of get to learn the map, actually, now that I've played 10 times. I kind of, there's a certain way the game develops in the on the base map and i've kind of very familiarized myself very well with that way the game develops so i think the different maps are going to be interesting in like kind of a surprising different way the game might develop on them yeah 35 bucks is good for just the base game itself i would buy the base game for 35 dollars easily so like for everything that the the game has put out is i think an extremely good deal which I think it's a little bit cheaper because it's just maps. I, I don't think there's anything else. I think, uh, I don't know if there's any promos that I haven't really seen from like Bretspiel calendar or something, but I think there's just the base game plus maps. That's what it is, but I think it's worth getting anyway. Uh, what I don't, I can't remember what mission cards are. Is there mission cards in the base game? No, uh, no actually that might be something new. Okay, because I'm just looking at the expansion. The East expansion says that it includes nine mission cards for the for the base map. Each hmm, mission card shows three cities, and the player can receive additional victory points. Uh, Maybe I haven't played the East expansion. That doesn't ring a bell, actually. So, oh, I don't know. I'll I'll take a look at it. It's not just a map. It's got cards as well. Yeah, and it says this know. map yeah. introduces new items to the game. Um, ocean trade routes and permanent bonus markers. Interesting. That sounds really cool, actually. Yeah, I'll so look at it. slightly different gameplay, it looks like it might be with these expansions. Yeah, well, the 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 items are just things you pick up on the board when you make a route where there's an item there yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. and they're just kind of like extra actions whatever so they probably made them slightly more interesting and maybe something different yeah anyway that was some games that we're looking forward to so up next is our top three story driven games all right story driven games Justine, what's a story-driven game? So, to me, a story-driven game uh, obviously has to have a story involved. I went back and forth on this while I was making my list, honestly. Um, I almost included Dead of Winter because in that game you tell a story as you play. However, that story doesn't carry over from play to play. Um. I do think there has to be something about that story that carries over um, and the story has to affect the way the game is played. Um, so yeah, that to me is what a story driven game is. I don't know if you guys agree or disagree. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. There's a lot of games that have a story to it, but are kind of like a side thing, you know? And when we yeah. say story driven games, it's, 
driven by the story, right? So yeah, I would say that those yeah. elements are right about all my games that I have on my list. Yeah, maybe I failed on that with my, my number three. <laughs> I didn't think of story-driven games. I thought of just games which have like a strong or not not even so strong actually in my number three case but just like the story matters to me when i play them or it's like fun to think about the story i didn't think about the story driving the game but that would put a lot more emphasis onto the onto the game story but yeah actually another the the justine keeps throwing these games out that i simply forgot about i think that of winter is actually a really cool story type game which I didn't have think, think about. So, yeah. Yeah. I suggested this list. And uh, when thinking about it, I feel like these are the only three story driven games I've really played. There is some games that I haven't played that I think would have made this list, like Charterstone and just some of the legacy style games that I, that I haven't gotten to. Um, also, Christo mentioned some escape room games, and I think that's a good example too. Um, but I guess I would just have that as an honorable mention. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of the same way. I think the only three story-driven games that I've ever played are on my list. All right. On that note, let's get into it. Number three. So when I was making my list, one of the things I realized is I like all of these games for certain elements, but I just want them to fix a few things. So these would be great games if they could just tweak something. And usually it's the balance between the story and the gameplay. Um, and my number three is The Troubled Life of Billy Kerr. Uh, this is a game that I have, uh, before this pandemic, I had been playing it with uh, Haristo and another of our friends. And I love the storyline. I love the way that you like slowly discover Billy Kerr's life. You're you play as doctors in a hospital trying to help this guy along. He's dying basically. Um and you just slowly figure out things about his life and piece together through memories. Um it's a great story. I think it might make a really good like lifetime movie. The gameplay gets so samey after a certain amount of time. I'm just kind of like, I got to the point, and I don't know if Haristo agrees with me on this, where we lost a game, so we weren't supposed to move on to the next scenario and the next set of like tasks we had to complete. And I was like, I don't care. I'm not playing that scenario again. Like, I've got it. We're good. We're moving on because the gameplay for every scenario has been so the same even when they try and add in something extra i won't spoil anything but they do try and add these extra things it's through the same mechanisms as the old things so you're just doing the same thing again and again and again you're just pulling from a different deck um again like i like the story i want to continue playing it because i want to find out about billy's life but I think the gameplay tragically suffers. 
yeah, the game, actually, I was thinking, what does it remind me of? It reminds me of Solitaire, um, not even Spider Solitaire, the regular one, like I played it on Windows, <laughs> I don't know what it's called. It's the regular, like, card Solitaire, because you all, that's what kind of what you're doing, is you're kind of trying to arrange the kind of cards on spaces really that's kind of what the game is and uh, unfortunately it is one of uh, those games where the example is of the you play until the right sequence of events happens and yeah. there's a lot of luck and uh, you can play your best and just get screwed by the cards and or not so you can uh, just kind of have the lucky run that you need to finish the scenario and yeah i kind of agree with justine i don't really like skipping ahead in games but i feel like to her point when it's reasonably close like we kind of got the concept we're not failing really hard at like trying to you know there's some strategy in deciding what to do when and how and uh, just allocating resources really kind of very minimal though i'd say a lot of it is just kind of top decking and hoping for luck uh, literally top decking there's a mechanic where like you start pulling from a deck of cards and the first card you hit is uh, what you're looking for maybe or maybe not so it's just luck so maybe you pull something or maybe you don't so uh, to, to Justine's point, I think when we're reasonably close, I'm fine skipping ahead in that one because you are doing the same thing over and over. The story is really cool, though. I'm surprised how much I was interested in the story in that game. Mm -hmm. I thought the story was going to be a kind of a miss, but actually it's the reason why we keep playing it, and I do want to finish it. I think we're on scenario like 5 out of 10 or 6 out of 10, hopefully. Yeah because it's kind of the same game over and over with very minimal changes kind of very minimal changes in goals mostly so like instead of collecting this you're trying to collect this now so yeah. just kind of keeps going over and over through the same mechanics mostly really cool game though i yeah, thought it was i think if it hadn't been story driven i probably would have played it once and been like oh that's neat and then never played it again and then as far as your thing about being close to winning I don't give a toot if we're close to winning. I'm not playing that scenario again. Sorry, it's not happening. Yeah, well, <laughs> anyway. Uh, so my third place is actually, I was going to change it because Brandon made me feel bad about uh, insisting that it should be story-driven. Oh, no, I was just I'm insisting sure that... That's how my list is. <laughs> I didn't mean for you to change your list. No, I, I was going to say it was actually really close between like pretty much, I'd say, unlocks in general. Um, I would say more unlocks than exits. I think exits are more about puzzles and yeah. unlocks are way more about like the story. Uh, the puzzles are kind of there in unlocks, but I think you experience a lot more of the story. And the exit, sometimes I just don't care what the story is. I just care about solving the wheel or like the race hitting this in this sequence or whatever. Um, but really what I put as my number three unlocks are definitely an honorable mention. I'll talk about it later. But uh, 51st State Master, St uh, master Set. Uh, the story is not super strong when you begin playing that game for the first time because all you're worrying about is resource allocation and pulling the right cards and stuff. But I, in those kind of games, it really kind of elevates the game for me to be thinking about kind of 
after the game is done maybe or just kind of thinking back on the game in addition to just kind of the resource stuff that happened also kind of the story that developed and the story is very kind of minimal in that game there's almost like no there's really no text or anything the story comes through card titles and i think uh rado made a very interesting point which i kind of really agree with uh parallel 51st state master state to hadara um if they had just included some kind of text on hadara on the cards on in in hadara to make them kind of more thematic in a way i think that would elevate the game a lot because in hadara there's these cards and they just have like a jumble of cultures and stuff and just stats on them so all you care about is the stats and you completely forget about the cards in 51st state they have like um specific people like ricky the trader or like construction machines or like a weapon shop or uh like boiler room or something or some kind of a school or whatever so you kind of it it's like a really tiny thing that goes a long way into kind of connecting you with the theme of that card and hopefully the effect on the card actually makes sense with what the text says because otherwise that's another miss which i've seen in games where like the card's says something and you're like well okay that's cool but does it really do anything i don't know actually that's the expanse is has suffers a little bit from that problem because i think the cards just have pictures on it and yeah they have the names of characters but like does the card do what the character does in the show like i don't know it's just kind of a picture but i think uh 51st day is very well thought out in that sense i think the cards are very thematically if you think about what they do like construction vehicles provide you with like construction tokens at so the school you find people there because thematically you like to recruit people or like darkly uh kidnap them or something and make them work for you but um, I think after you're done playing the game, it kind of really helps me and makes it fun for me to think about like kind of a story building, the kind of what happened, you know, as far as the story goes. You know, I went out and I found this school and then I made these people kind of go out and get me resources to make some kind of build other building and then i made a lot of guns and sold them yeah it, it just it's really fun for me so anyway that's my number three 51st states uh, master set i've talked about it before it's one of my favorite games so it just kind of popped up on this list yeah i've only played this game a few times but i wouldn't think of it as story driven but you make a lot of good points definitely not story driven you really that doesn't drive anything it's more like an afterthought of just kind of the that's what happened uh, well once you know once you play the game more and you stop worrying about like the right cards i think it comes across more because yeah. you learn what the cards do and you're more interested in like kind of have more time to think about the theme i think the like your brain is not worrying about uh optimization as much as just kind of having fun and having fun with the theme as well yeah no i get that i also find it was uh pretty funny that justine said that uh billy kerr was a would make a great Lifetime movie. Only because uh, I think that the word great and Lifetime movie shouldn't be in the same sentence. But, <laughs> <laughs> but well, I it would fit right in. Yeah. I worked on Lifetime movies, so I have a special kind of hatred for them. So not to yuck anybody's yum or anything, but um, my number three is a game called This War of Mine. Uh, particularly, it's called This War of Mine, the board game, because it's based on a video game an award-winning video game, which I've never played. Uh, this came out in 2017. Um, let me 
preference by saying that this game is dark. It's dark theme, dark things happen. Um, I've, I saw a lot of reviews for it and that was like a main point of everybody was like that it's dark and it's hard to play. Um, I didn't find the theme hard to play though. What's the theme? Well, it's a war torn um, town and there's some survivors in the house together that are trying to survive. And um, it's like choose your own adventure style where one person's going to be reading a story, you make a decision, and based on that decision, certain outcomes happen. And those could be extremely dark. Um, this game has some interesting innovations that I would like to see progressed on. Like, I want to see people inspired by this, because I don't know if it worked exactly right. The One of the innovations is how to learn the game. You don't necessarily sit down and read the rules by yourself and teach it. You read a paragraph and pass it along and you play. It's like it's trying to be like a video game. Like when you play a video game and then the little paragraphs come up prompting you to like, this is how you play this particular part. And this is how you play this particular part. So I found that really cool. It just like kind of bogged down the game at first. You only have to do it in the very first time you play. Um, and also you're not, you're not, it's a co-op game, but you're not controlling one individual you're taking turns as a sort of a captain, like you're in charge and you, you rotate and you will like read certain things and you'll make ultimate decisions. Now everybody is queuing in on, on, on what we should do, but ultimately that person who's like turn it is, will make that ultimate decision. And you're gathering up resources and you're trying to fix up the house and uncover different places, parts, parts of the house and you're going out and scavenging that's kind of the main part of the game. Um, now, the I sold this game because I felt like I was done with it. But it's on this list because the first two times I played this, I think we played a total of four, but it wasn't individual games that we were playing. We were playing the same game. We just like saved it. And it has a save mechanism that works rather well. And we just played it until the end. And after that, I just felt like much like a video game, like a story-driven video game, where like once I got through it, I was like, well, there's probably stuff that I missed and that um, that I could have explored more, but I kind of feel like I got it and I need to move on. And But the first two plays of it, I was so immersed in this story and it was so fun. And I, I say fun, and if anybody's played this, they might think that I'm a sick individual because like I said, it's dark themes. But we were laughing. Now, we weren't laughing at the situations that were happening. There were serious situations that could be happening in the world today. We were laughing at our bad decision-making. And we had sort of a player there that was like the voice of reason, and we kept ignoring him, and bad things would happen. They would be like, I told you so. But we were just kind of laughing at our mistakes in the game. After a while, though, it becomes a game. You could kind of see through the story and go, okay, we know what we need. We know what we need to do, and this is what we need to do. And then it based like kind of luck, you know, flip of cards and whatnot. But the first two games, like that wasn't present so much. We didn't know the game well enough mechanically to know what we're doing. So we're more just like basing our decisions on the story. And it was a really cool experience. And there is an expansion for it, which I would play somebody else's copy with the expansion. Um, 
but that's why it's on my list is it was just such a great experience and the story had a lot to do with it and i thought it was really well written and that is this war of mine uh yeah i just wanted to say i think it's a really cool game i think what they would try to do is a straight port from the pc game uh or just console i think it's on consoles as well i looked at it a bunch when it came out and i just haven't bought it yet or played it uh, but i've looked at a bunch of gameplay videos and it seems like what they're trying to do is basically straight from uh the game uh, I'm not sure if it worked out so well in a board game format. It's kind of there, but a lot of the story that comes across with pictures and really cool art on on the on PC and consoles and whatever on video, it comes through text in the game. And yeah, once you're dis- when you're discovering the game, it's really cool and fascinating and extremely punishing. Like Brandon is saying, it's like ridiculously. Like you go out and like you die and you're like, what the heck is this game? You know, and the first time you, it's kind of designed the first time you basically die like really yeah. quickly, painfully, brutally. And then you kind of start slowly learning how to work around the many punishing aspects of the game. Um, kind of very, yeah, mature themed and stuff. Uh, but yeah, overall, cool game I, i'd say maybe the video implementation is per- better and for that game in particular i wasn't super impressed by playing it as a board game even though i had fun for a couple of plays have you played this I justine think i haven't played i've been interested in the video game i haven't played the board game i'm sure i'd like it i just think it's really cool that they did a war story but from like the civilian and the survivor's point of view yeah that's a like, good point we always have like you know the battle of normandy and these uh, commanding colors and these war games that are you know the soldiers fighting back and forth but we never really get to hear the stories of the people that are living in these war zones yeah i think that's why it scored a lot of awards and just really really cool concept and done really well like you really get to see kind of the abuses the bad things that happen the injustices that happen in war just like the difficulties that like the regular person goes through people die because they have like no medicine like bad things happen to you people steal from each other and loot and stuff and it's yeah it's really kind of realistic as well uh maybe overly dramatic i would say but still very kind of sobering another perspective of the horrors of war really number two okay so my number two is Maracaibo by um, Alexander Fister this game came out was it this year uh, it feels it like it's last been year. forever. Was last it last year? year? Yeah. It was last year. I think we yeah. got it early around October, early November, this, yeah. like as, as soon as possible, I guess. Um, This game does have a story that you can play. You don't have to. And in the beginning, I was very adamant that I wanted to play through the story um, because I'm I love the storyline in games. I quickly decided that wasn't the case. Um, I don't think I'm going to finish the storyline in this game. Again, I don't want to give too many spoilers, but there's such a huge illusion of choice. They, You don't actually have choices. I don't know if that's too big of a spoiler, but 
nothing you do in the story matters. It feels like it got shoved in because the publisher wanted to be able to advertise a story-driven game. It's just kind of off to the side. It doesn't really affect much. Um, it might change what spaces are open for you, for your boat to stop at. But ultimately, like the story, you kind of read a card at the beginning of the game and at the end of the game. But other than that, I think the story in this one got tacked on without very much thought. However, the gameplay is really cool. I enjoy playing like the game. So exactly the opposite of Billy Kerr, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I wasn't super impressed with the story in that game. It just felt inconsequential. I, actually, my number two is uh, Clank Legacy. And I'm thinking it's actually a very similar kind of implementation of kind of you read the kind of an intro text and then you play the game and then you read an outro text or whatever what happens uh, in that chapter so what is the difference i don't know for some reason i really like the clank uh legacy story it really matters to me i think the reason is uh Gosh, what is the game of the Maracaibo? Gosh, I, I, I can't remember the game we we're just talking about. So Maracaibo, I think the story is just not important enough. That's maybe my biggest criticism yeah. of the game, because it's kind of a heavy euro, and like you should get maybe a lot of points through the story, is what I'm thinking. Because in Clank uh, Legacy you do get points through the story sometimes, like indirectly in a weird way, but it really kind of pays to to play the story sometimes and in Mark Highboy it just didn't feel like the story was that important or like I don't know maybe there was there was some reward but it like wasn't worth your time really and in this super tight Euro optimization game I think it just doesn't fit as well um, in Clank I think it's a little bit more loose and kind of like push your lucky anyway so what's the what's what's the what's going to hurt you by stopping in the space probably not much maybe a slight deviation you would have died maybe but i don't know it it just doesn't feel like there's punishment i feel like in uh in mark Ivo, if you stop and waste your time for these story things sometimes they really don't pay off as much and that maybe yeah. that's maybe that's what should have happened is like in clank you can do the story as you pass through spaces usually so you can keep playing the game the story just kind of happens as you pass through certain spaces uh, maybe it should have been the same in Mark Ivo so you don't have to actually stop and do things for the story or the things you stop for uh, same in Clank Legacy maybe you should uh, should have had like a bigger reward or something so it's actually worth doing them but it, to me it feels like you're kind of choosing between having like a well optimized and good game in Mark Ivo and like doing the story sometimes and that's just like not a fun choice for me but anyway uh clank legacy i really like it uh the story is really silly and dumb but it kind of works actually in the in the world of clank because the concept of clank is kind of ridiculous to begin with and i think uh they hit it uh, right on the head as far as uh, not having a story that's kind of not very serious kind of comical humorous a little bit and just kind of 
for fun. Uh, it works really well. Like I said, I think the the differences, the rewards for doing the story are worth it, and just kind of is worth it's worth it just to kind of read a lot of texts and do, have a lot of fun. It almost feels like a choose your own adventure. Uh, oh, I was gonna say the book in Clank is pretty large. Uh, and the cards in Maracaibo are not as large, so that might have something to do with it. Uh, the cards in Maracaibo already feel like they're interrupting the game too much, though, so maybe just like f trying to force a story into a more serious game just didn't work out in, in that way. So I'm kind of talking about two games at the same time. That's but, okay. uh, no, I, the story really works in Clank Legacy for me. I've really enjoyed it, and I'm looking forward to kind of how it develops. Uh, very silly, but it works. So that's my number two, Clank Legacy. And slash comments on Mark Kaibo from Justine. <laughs> uh, my number two is Above and Below. This game came out in 2015. It's by Red Raven Games. If you know a lot about Red Raven Games, you'll know that Ryan Lockett does the art and graphic design and design and his co-owner. Um, he, he draws up and designs most of his games. And in this one, he does. Um, the story in this game is that you, you had a village and it was like ransacked by barbarians. So you find this perfect new place to build up your village and you discover that there's like this vast uh network of caverns underneath you that's the below part um and there's like treasures and resources you'll assign these like unique workers that have like pips on them and different things they can do and you could design them above to build below above or you can assign them below which is where the storytelling aspect comes in in the form of exploring these caverns. Somebody will read from a book, very like um, choose your own adventure style, and you'll choose which path to go on and you'll get an outcome. And a lot of these outcomes will have to do with um, what you put in, who you brought down, and you'll have some decisions as well. But you're rolling dice and the dice are going to be beneficial to you depending on, again, who you put down. And you're building and exploring and the story is really cool and um really does drive the game as well and i really enjoy this game and that's why it's my number two above and below i like above and below as well it's really cool another game for some reason i think didn't think about i guess i didn't spend too much time thinking about this topic number one so my number one, I kind of think is the granddaddy of all of these like legacy story driven games um, and is Pandemic Legacy. I know Risk Legacy came first, but yeah, whatever. <laughs> we'll ignore that one. Um, so this is the one that I think really does a good job of balancing like the gameplay and the story. I... Um, have only made it through most of season one. I haven't gotten onto season two, and then I heard they're doing season three. Um, I like that this game doesn't shy away from, like, this is a legacy game. You're going to be putting stickers on your uh, board. You're going to be ripping cards up. Um, and I feel like the actions that you take really affect what... Um, 
what happens in your game through for the rest of the game that you play. Um, my one gripe I have about this game, because I can't have an entirely positive review on this list, apparently, is that um, at this point, Matt and I are in like November. You play each game is like a month. And I just can't bring myself to pick it back up because we have added so many rules, so many things, um, little tiny bits here and there. Again, no spoilers. But in the regular pandemic, in like the base game pandemic, you have like a card with five actions you can take. And now I think we have each player has to have like three cards worth of actions you can possibly take. And you have to remember like when you can take those actions, what they do, why you're doing them, all of the steps to it. Um, I think this is probably so far my favorite implementation of a legacy game and a story-based game, but I still have a really difficult time with it just because of how complicated it gets. Were you guys currently playing this? Uh, I mean, the last time we played it was like three years ago, but okay. we're in the middle of season one. <laughs> uh, so currently might be an overstatement. The, <laughs> you, that, technically, you're currently in play of this, right? Because you haven't yeah. finished it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I was asking because uh, I'm seeing a lot of people playing pandemic games right now and seeking out pandemic games right now. And I find it interesting given our current situation that people are like drawn to playing something that's happening right now. And I find that on like, you know, you watch like Netflix and you could, now they have like a top 10 of like the mm -hmm. most viewed. And like, I was seeing like number one as being like outbreak and contagion. And it, it's fascinating to me because for me, like if I'm watching a movie or playing a board game, I kind of want to disappear from the horrible conditions that are happening currently. And that's yeah. like any any horrible condition happening currently, you know, like if, uh, you know, I don't know if uh, if we, you know, we experienced an earthquake here in Utah not too long ago. And I don't know if that day I would want to play like 1906 San Francisco board game, you know, um, yeah. I just kind of want to take my mind off of it. And I just feel it's like I don't understand it, but it's fascinating to me that people want to play pandemic right now. Mm hmm. Yeah, I know I lent my whole pandemic collection because Matt and I used to be, I mean, I guess we still are big fans of the original. And so we have the original and then a bunch of expansions. And I can't bring myself to play it, but I lent it to my aunt who was way jazzed to play it. I feel like if somebody's like really superstitious and they like make some yeah. mistakes in the board game and then it's like, it's parallel to like what's happening now. Like we have a, like a, you know, it goes up or something like that. They would fault their self. Yeah. <laughs> I should have played that uh, game better. To yeah. me, it kind of shows how your brain, I think I was looked at trying to think of there, there's something else. Um, 
watching on YouTube probably some kind of a TED talk or just kind of a video about brain and stuff. <laughs> Brains. Um, Brains? No, about like how your brain tries to conserve energy. And I think the default of the brain is to what you know and to what you've heard. And uh, basically, it kind of shows you the influence of news because the news kind of determines what you hear. And then people talk about what they hear on the news, so which is all about like the virus. So I think your brain kind of defaults for most people to just the same. Um, so you want to talk about it, you want to play games about it, you want to uh, watch movies about it, and whatever. So it's interesting. Maybe my brain doesn't work that way because yeah, no, I did not want to play Pandemic. I also I didn't want to play anything with uh, like charts. You know, yeah, just guts. You charts? know, like uh, like charts, like of like numbers going up and down and uh, graphs, graphs. Yeah, um, because I feel like the first couple weeks of this, I was just like nonstop watching that stuff, and I was like, oh, man, yeah, I've yeah, never yeah. like inputted so many numbers into my head before. Um, but I wasn't drawn to playing games of that nature either. Well, I wonder if it gives a sense of like control. I mean, I don't want to psychoanalyze people, but. I mean, like right now, all we can really do is sit and wait for the people in charge to figure something out. And I, I can sympathize with like feeling like you're out of control. Maybe playing a game like Pandemic helps you feel more in control. Sure. You win the game and you go, well, at least we won the board game version of this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, this is easy. Why can't you do it? Yeah. <laughs> Just go start knocking out those cubes. Yep. Anyway, that's that's it for pandemic. I hope so. Uh, I mean the game oh, version. Yeah, yeah. No, I I I played the regular version of pandemic, and I was actually pretty bored with it. But I hear the legacy version is like so much cooler. Uh, throwback to a Clank Legacy as well. There's a lot of stickering in Clank Legacy too. Um, I feel like you come in expecting to basically sticker at least two things on the board and two things on cards. Uh, just some minor things here and there, but also some kind of rule changes. I feel like that's happened there as well. I was just kind of noticing how many kind of little power-ups and rules we've added since we started playing, but it's nowhere near uh, as bad as what it sounds like it is in Pandemic Legacy because I can't imagine just the game exploding so much. There are some additional rules, but I haven't felt like they're up to the super annoying level of like there's too many rules now uh, but that's kind of unfortunate I think mm -hmm. I don't know it just kind of maybe comes with the complexity of the game to begin with but and I don't know I, I think if Matt and I had kept up with it it wouldn't be as daunting but that's kind of why we haven't played it in so many years honestly is because we every time we go to pull it out we like open it up and look at the rule book and go, oh yeah. <laughs> Never mind. So you just stick your things in the rule book, right? Because that's how the Clank yeah. uh, Legacy things does it as well. Yeah. Did, so, like you actually, the rule yeah. book has empty spaces and you stick your things in it. So you know, like the revised rules now uh, with yeah, what you're supposed to do. There's stickers in the rule book, but yeah, it's just too much. Yeah, you have to reread them once you've forgotten them. So yeah, that's probably. Anyway, uh, my number one story-driven game is Gloomhaven, and uh, yeah, it's it's a game where I think uh, 
the story kind of takes it to another level. Uh, if it wasn't for the story, it'd be still kind of a good game, kind of a skirmish game, really, uh, just co-op battle against monsters. And there's plenty of those, but I think what makes the game unique is the story and the art to some extent. There's some really cool art on standees and actually mostly standees, I'd say. Uh, it's kind of funny yeah there's just monsters that are new and once in a while a new standee appears but it really kind of makes a difference i think because unlike um other games of this kind which i haven't played too many of them but i think uh the the story really take kind of coupled with the different scenarios uh some of which are more hits than others but that kind of makes every play of the game sort of unique. Um, maybe because you imagine something different happening with the story, maybe because the scenario has unique rules or whatever. But um, I've really enjoyed kind of the story aspect of uh, Gloomhaven. I think it definitely makes it more of a game than it would be with just a skirmish and deck building element. Uh, so kind of a big success there as far as I'm concerned with with story. Um, yeah, I don't know. I've talked about it previously. I think it's it's really well done. Um, very non-linear, very kind of spooky and interconnected, but it works in a way. So that's Gloomhaven number one. I'll note that it took us 22 episodes for Gloomhaven to come on a list. <laughs> Well, this is a good list for it to be, I think, as story games, because I think it's a very strong story game. And my number one is Marvel Crisis Protocol. No, I'm just kidding. I just wanted to be like Risto and <laughs> put my number one as the I thing I've been playing say, that's, recently. That's amazing if you, if it's that there's that much storytelling in that game to you because it doesn't look like it to me. But. No, not at all. But if, but if you connect the movies to the gameplay, there's like a lot. There's like 10 years of movies and story. Actually, actually I was going to say, if you're a fan of the universe and you know the backstories and everything, that would probably be super cool to you to play the game. For me, as kind of a noob and not super invested into the comics or anything, and just barely knowing anything really i think it's gonna be much more of a miss but yeah oh my gosh i'm i'm like so into the marvel universe and i've been reading the comic books lately too uh justine you're a fan of marvel as well right yes definitely yeah, yeah. we should play this game when this is I, all over yeah i, I definitely think you'd think like it because uh Risto's right like if you know the the movies the comic books and it, it's just awesome. Anyway, that's not my number one. Uh, my number one is Scythe, but in particular, Scythe with the Rise of Fenris expansion. Um, <clears throat> this is probably the best expansion I've ever experienced. I think it's really unique and really cool, and I'm, I'm hoping that it pushes expansions, uh, especially module uh, expansions, in this direction. So what Rise of Fenris is, is it's a... a uh, 11 module expansion for scythe but it's the modules are revealed in an eight game campaign the story is very much there there's like a lot of story in the beginning and then a lot of story in the end um, of each gameplay and the story is really cool and i don't want to spoil any of it for anybody but you learn about the fictional um place of europa and 
the factory, which is in the middle, you learn like everything about that. So it makes the regular game of Scythe that much cooler because like, you know, more of the history of everything and Tesla is involved, which I thought was really cool. Um, <laughs> Tesla's always involved. Yeah. <laughs> Who else is going to build these mechs? Come on. These steampunk style uh, mechs. Okay. Um, anyway, so what this, so you can buy this expansion and just add the modules. Like there's actually a place in the rule book that says, if you want to skip all the story in the campaign, flip to this page of the book and we'll teach you how to add them to the game. I don't know why anybody would want to do this because this is really cool. It, the campaign introduces all these modules in a story driven uh, way with like, you know, little unlock boxes and whatnot. And you have like different objectives in the game. And if you do it right, then you'll, that player will get a surprise in it. And there's like, I don't want to talk about too many of the modules because it really gives away a lot, but really cool stuff that it adds to the game slowly over these eight games. And the thing is, is once you're done with the campaign, you can reset it. There's no stickers. There's no tearing anything up. It's, you could just replay the campaign. But if you don't want to, it still exists for you because now you have these 11 modules that you can add in uh, however you want. And there's some really cool modules and some really cool added stuff to it. So without giving away too many secrets, that's what I could say about it. Um, and that's why it had to be my number one, Scythe Rise of Fenris. And then silence. You guys haven't played this, huh? Uh, no, I'm not super fan of the base game of Scythe. Actually, the last game was kind of pretty trolly and annoying for me. But I understand the way he's done it, which kind of is how video games do it, is I think maybe they introduce like new units and new mechanics and stuff into the game, uh, which makes the game kind of fresh because you play the game completely differently maybe i don't know yeah the story is maybe really cool as well and maybe it like changes it's very similar to gloomhaven actually because like you play the first scenario and it's like kill everyone and then the second scenario maybe is something different and depending on what your objective is it kind of completely can change the feel of the game uh, so i can see kind of some parallels there cool things that you can do especially with art uh kind of paralleling with rts games or something of the past i think there's really cool potential there i, I do have a complaint about the base game the uh the instant end condition where somebody puts their last star on and there's no yep. equal amount of turns that is really painful in the game, especially because somebody puts their last star out and you had one move and you were after them and you could have like won the game, but, and you didn't have equal amount of turns. Like you were robbed of a turn. I don't like that. Mm -hmm. The ex the regular expansions, uh, in particular, the airship one, uh, it's escaping my mind what it's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know what you're talking about. So that, is, uh, that fixes it. One they have one card and you have to choose to play that way though the other ways are still the same and as far as i remember you have to choose to play with that doomsday clock card i think to the doomsday experience yeah the, the doomsday one way. i think uh, another one is a little different uh well no it's like first to a certain amount of money 
yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The money, I remember. So it's yeah. still like a sl- it ends with a slap in the face. But I would I would say always play with a doomsday clock because that I think that's the way to play. Everybody gets equal amount of turns. You can um, the the Rise of Fenris expansion allows you to play with the other expansions later on in the episode. So if you first play this and you're like, hey, I can't add my my wind ships or whatever they're called to it, you will get to later, and you get to add in stuff from the expansion the other expansions as well but yeah uh, uh with that fix with the uh, uh, that the earlier expansion i think it's a, it's a great game i really like it and i like the presence of it too like everything looks really nice in it yeah uh i don't know i mean a lot of people enjoy the game even without the doomsday clock and i'm just not one of them sadly so anyway kind of a miss for me but oh well I think I've only ever played this game two-player with Matt, and his <laughs> main strategy is find his way over to my side of the board as fast as possible and crush me. So maybe I have to play it with somebody else. I don't think it's a two-player game at all. <laughs> like I really like it's like um, playing Terra Mystica two players. I think like the board's yeah. way too yeah. open, and especially if that's somebody's strategy, just coming over on your side because. I think if you're playing a two-player game, it should just be basically be like two solo games and you should fight for the factory like normal, but then you should just try to like spread out. But if somebody comes in quickly and just like blocks you off, that's going to be a horrible game like for it that person. It might be Matt's way of ending the game fast. And oh, because he doesn't like it, huh? it anymore. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> uh I think a yeah, two-player game is definitely not really playing Scythe, but my experience with higher-player counts has actually been kind of the same. Someone comes over and like blocks you, and you both lose, basically. <laughs> That's actually my biggest complaint. <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe, yeah. Whatever. I think four is a sweet spot for this game, personally, I think. <laughs> I think it yeah, works well. Four is good. Four or five, actually. I would say four or five. Does it go up to seven? Is that one of these games that go up to seven? Yeah. It does go up to seven. Yeah. You play every single space on the map, and I think that's like a ridiculously trolly game, probably of like people getting cut off left and right, literally. Yeah, um, so, it, it's a know. different experience. I've played it like at really high player counts, and I'll say that it works well with the whole like you're taking when you're done with your top action taking your bottom action i start taking my top action and if everybody's played the game before and is following this uh direction it's fine as far as like uh how fast it plays but it's really tight and that's why i think like four is is really good because uh yeah yeah for uh, like three works fine that's how i played the the campaign version of this was with three and it does seem a little open and but there's like less confrontation which i think i like a little bit more and uh spoilers if you don't want to hear anything about the modules uh, i'm going to say something very briefly about it um one of the modules is and i'll just say this one will add more confrontation one will add less confrontation I just won't say how they implement it. So I think that's really great. Plus, like if you want more or less, there's that scale. Yeah, it's almost like kind of a sandbox game now, I guess, with the modules, you can make it into whatever you want. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Uh, Any honorable mentions for you guys? Uh, since you made me feel bad about my choices, <laughs> um, definitely unlocks actually. 
I almost put it on number three. Uh, Unlocks, I think, have a pretty strong... I mean, they're very story-driven. There are puzzles there, but I enjoy the stories a lot in Unlocks, and they come across much better than uh, other puzzle games. Uh, I'd say, yeah, I completely forgot about Ryan Lockett's games. I've highly enjoyed his games. His stories are kind of, maybe you'd say, childish in a way. They, uh, I'd say they appeal to everyone, kind of, is how I like to think of it, but they're very kind of PG, so don't expect, um, well, (laughs) except that one weird game where we had a really weird game one Saturday, and we had a kind of an innuendo story on one of the cards. Uh, Is it Islebound? No, no. Uh, above and below, one of the cards oh. came out, and it—I think it's an expansion card, actually. But anyway, generally, uh, very uh, PG, unless you play with dirty-minded people. But uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, I really like it, though. I think it's really cool. It has that flavor of good stories really yeah and um, I, I they're hear that silly but they're good i think near and far is supposed to be better and it's sitting on my shelf and risto and i were planning on playing it because we were playing we were having yeah. like this what was it like uh, it was like campaign fridays where we were going through campaign style games but it mm-hmm. had stopped from happening yeah near and far is almost like a pick up and deliver really implementation because you move around the map and you try to pick up things and then you come back to town and drop them off and power up and stuff so i i really like it though i've played it a few times and i really want to get into the campaign with his games uh sleeping gods as well is coming out which is supposed to be really good i really just like his uh stories uh they're really strong for me i think i'll bounce to your point is less of a story game that he made he just made like a game without so much story actually i don't think it has any story so that's more mechanically focused mm-hmm. and i still like it actually i think it's a good game it has some really unique things uh but i think his stories are really kind of what makes his games cooler than what they would be without them i liked so I, I liked islebound yeah, until i played it with you and you broke it <laughs> No, I, it's an engine building game, so yeah, expect breakage. No, I, <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, it's a it's it's a good game. I can't remember what happened, but uh, yeah, it's you're doing some kind I of cheese with Outbound. Huh? You're doing some kind of cheese. You know, you were you were going to one spot, then another spot, then one spot, another spot. Yeah. No, I was gonna say I think the way to play Outbound is maybe with that uh, thick fog variant. Uh, that sounds very interesting to me. So not the whole board is available to you because I think if the whole board is available to you and you look at how the tiles came out, you can usually come out come up with uh, kind of like a most optimal way to play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's just the most optimal way to play. And kind of whoever gets to do it first or whoever gets the most lucky doing it is gonna win. There's not too much flex there so i can see that criticism of it but i still think it's a pretty cool game it has some luck so it shouldn't be taken too seriously but it's it's a cool game i don't know i just there's something about it which i like which it's cool but anyway that's it uh dead of winter really cool game i really like the story there um i feel like the story is actually maybe the main appeal of that game because what else is there you just roll dice and stuff so and you find items roll dice and draw cards (laughs) yeah roll roll dice and draw cards that's pretty much what the game is other than the story so i really i've I've enjoyed the story aspect of that game as well i completely didn't think about it um 
I haven't played some that uh, might make the list, like Charter Stone, like Near and Far. Um, I should say that Above and Below doesn't have a campaign. It's just you, you set up and you play. Um, but Near and Far does have uh, two types of ways you could play. You could play the character campaign or the story for the whole thing. I don't know. Uh, I haven't looked at it in a while. Yeah. But also what, like, Tales of Arabian Nights is, like, one of the big ones. It came out in 2009, so, like, it. I think it came before most of our games on the list. Uh, but I've never played that, but it's because I've heard that it's more story than game. Like, there's hardly a game there. And that's, like, less yeah. interesting to me. Someone in our group actually had played that one, and he was telling me about it, and it's basically just story, yeah, that you kind of read stories to each other. I think the stories are supposed to be good, but it's not much of a game from what I've heard. Yeah. Justine, do you have any? Uh, No. Like I said, I think these are the only three I've played. <laughs> I played yeah. Above and Below a long, long, long time ago. I'm sure it's a great game. I just haven't had a chance to play it again. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, King's Dilemma, Spiel des Jahres, nominee. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I Actually, I think it's okay. It's not super strong as a game altogether, but I kind of like it. I'm really surprised to see it as a nomination of Kenner Spiel, by the way. Uh, by the way, I'm on the BGG page of Kenner Spiel, and I just wanted to maybe uh, come back to that a little bit. They have really funny things. Uh, so they nominated My City, Novaluna, and Pictures, but they recommend the following six titles. Uh, Colorbrain, Draftosaurus, The Fox in the Forest, Kitchen Rush, Little Town, and Spicy. Uh, Fox in the Forest, I, not Duet? Yeah, just regular Fox in the Forest. Did it take a long time so, to get to Germany? Yeah, I don't know, actually. I don't know. Why Why? Why would you think Duet is, is going to be more it's newer. apt? Oh, I don't know if they care about newer. Well, it's but game of the year, actually, though. Huh? It's game of the year. So wouldn't the uh, wouldn't their wouldn't their recommendations be of that year as well? Fox in the Forest I came out two thousand seventeen. Oh, really? Yeah, I the Fox in the Forest came out duet. The same year. No, Fox in the Forest duet came out this year, twenty twenty. Gosh, I can't believe Fox in the Forest is actually that old. For some reason, I kept thinking of both of them coming out as last year. Maybe the, because that's when I first played them. Um, but I've, it's been on my radar. But I was going to say, actually, the recommendations I like a lot better than what they actually may be uh, nominated, which is kind of crazy. I really like Little Town. I think it's really cool. Draftosaurus was really fun. Kitchen Rush. Um, I don't know. I think Novaluna is okay as well. Um, the biggest surprise for me is the Kenner Spiel. So, you know, you have cartographers, the, clu the crew in King's Dilemma, which people are complaining that it's like too light. Guess what their recommendations are there? Paladins of the West Kingdom, Rezarkana, and Underwater Cities. That sounds so more they, like a Kenner Spiel. Yeah. Yeah. To they me. do play co more complicated games, but for some reason they just don't choose them. So it's kind of kind of interesting to me because yeah, Paladins, underwater cities definitely way heavier than freaking cartographers. Res are kind of also kind of a complex game, I would say, uh, to play well. You need to know the cards and stuff and it's it's a cool game, but yeah, I would completely replace if it were me their actual nominations with their recommendations yeah. <laughs> and then i think a lot of us would agree that yeah that's more kenner spiel like paladins Rezarkana, and under underwater cities yeah um so very interesting kind of they do play all kinds of games but maybe i think they're 
their uh, whatever their criteria is that the game should be easy to teach and i'm guessing that's why underwater cities for example and the other ones probably failed is because they do have a lot of rules and you have to sit there explaining for a long time and they're not very clear on how you should play immediately i see i think I see. they play place a lot of weight on accessibility yeah basically. yeah for all the, for even the kinder spiel right yeah um, but so, a game like Underwater Cities, that's the style of game I would want to see in the Kinnerspiel. Um, just yeah, like I think heavier, that's what a lot of people Euro on games. PGG expect. I don't expect I it anymore. Yeah, no. I think the reason why they don't nominate like Underwater Cities is they do take a lot to get into. Um, I know that like one of the big issues with underwater cities when it first came out was people saying that they were playing it forever and ever and ever um and i can definitely see that happening if you're playing with people that ap a lot i just i don't know i guess um i kind of sympathize with where they're coming from yeah these awards for me are like i get curious when it comes a, comes a time but and then when they announce the winners i just kind of shrug and forget all about it. I would, but but the Spielus Yaris has a very rich history in our in our board gaming community, and is like helped push the uh, games to get like better in the beginning, more in the beginning. I, I don't know how much of a presence they have now, other than um, the winners will that get much more sales when they win. But yep. yeah. Anyway, anything else from you guys? Nope. Nope, that's it. All right, then that is our show. Thank you for tuning in, and we will turn in a couple weeks. We would like to thank Lindsay Hobbs for composing the theme and Kirsten Adams for designing our logo. You can find Kirsten's art at Cat Coffee on Instagram. That's K-A-T-C-O-F-F-E-E. Also, visit our website, www.cardsandcubes.com and Cards and Cubes has been a production of Pod Cauldron. Find some other great shows on the Pod Cauldron network, including Rabble, 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 a comedic look at current events, and Bub Club, which is a horror movie podcast. All right, thanks again, and we'll see you next time.